Amen. All right, guys. Hey, today uh, I'm pretty excited and pumped because I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. You know, and I believe forgiveness is really uh, the key to eternity. You know, the other day I was just praying in the spirit and just asking God, okay, God, what is it that you want me to say? What is it that you want, want, want to speak to me and to all these people that are here? And he did say that. He said the key to eternity is forgiveness. And so I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, the key to forgiveness is, uh, the key to eternity is forgiveness. So if I forgive people, I'm there? And he said, no, it started with Jesus when he forgave you. And when, when God said that to me, I was like, whoa, I hit the ground like that is, I've never heard it that way. And so what we need to do is allow his mercy and forgiveness to be in us. We need to experience it. We need to saturate ourselves with it so we can have the ability to forgive others. You know, a lot of times we know the word and we want to follow the truth and say, you know what, I know I need to forgive. I know I need to stand in that. But we do it under our own strength and it falls short. We feel good one day, but then the next day comes right back to us and we're in that kind of that bitterness or that holding a grudge a little bit and we're repenting again and going right back to it. And it becomes this cycle of, I'm sorry, God. Oh, I'm mad again. I'm sorry, God. And the whole thing God is saying is, like, if you experience the forgiveness I've given you through my son Jesus, you will have the ability to do the same. You will have the spirit. You will have the heart. Not by your strength, but by my strength is what God says. You know, in Matthew, the perfect example, again, is Jesus. But in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, you have Jesus and the 12 disciples. And let me tell you something. Jesus was a phenomenal teacher. He teaches with example. He teaches with demonstration. He teaches just, he just knew how to do it. But again, when you go back to the scripture, he says, I only speak and do what the Father tells me to speak and do. And so Jesus is with the 12 disciples, and he's teaching them on, on certain things. And it's funny because as, they're, as the 12 disciples are getting comfortable with Jesus, they're kind of asking these questions. You know, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? What does it take for me to be one of the great ones? Let me stand with you. And, and Jesus is constantly teaching him these moments. But then there's a part in the Bible, in, in, in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, where, the, where Peter the disciple comes up to Jesus, and it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Okay? Up to seven times? And I'll stop right there for a second because I really can see Peter Really picking the brain of Jesus in the heart, heart of Jesus. And as he's asking him, he's like, Lord, you know, how many times should I forgive someone when they do me wrong, in other words? Up to seven times? And I don't think it's coincidence he used a holy number, seven, you know. I think he's letting him know, God, I, I, I'm that capable of doing it. But look what Jesus says. He says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven now, here's the deal. A lot of times we can get in debate of what do those numbers mean and, you know, what's the multiplication? And I don't know because I, math was really hard for me and still is, okay? But I know what the point Jesus is saying. Do it unlimitedly. Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Now, here's the thing. We understand and we have that knowledge and we know what Jesus says. But sometimes forgiving someone is very, very difficult, well, you don't understand the situation I went through. You don't understand what I'm going You don't know what they did and how deep that is. You don't know what they're still doing right now. You guys hear? You know, forgiveness can be something that's so simple yet hard to do. It's not easy. 
And it's not easy when we don't have Jesus involved. Really, it's impossible when we don't have Jesus involved in our lives. You know, especially when we're the ones that are, are, are the ones that have been wronged. Let me tell you something. If you allow God to intervene where you're at and say, God, it is your spirit, your strength that's going to help me overcome this, there is great reward for you in your life. Because reality is when we're in an unforgiving stage, when we're not in a forgiveness mindset in our heart, we are bondage to that, not them. But the enemy likes to cloud that thought. He says, well, if you hold that against them, yeah, you're doing them wrong. Oh, take that. Give them the, the silent shoulder. And it's funny how unforgiveness really leads to silent treatment. Because it is the word of God that needs words and voice. And if the enemy can keep us in a point where we're silent, no action's being done for healing. You know, Jesus says, forgive up to 70 times 7. I love, I love it in Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, because you start seeing the characteristic of and the nature of God. It says that the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. And so right now what we're going to learn is the true nature of God, even when we missed it. You know, a lot of times when we talk about forgiveness, it's like us forgiving someone else. But for a moment, we're going to look at, okay, us being the one that need to be forgiven and God being the forgiver. And the Bible just told us right now that God is merciful and he's forgiving. That is simply the nature of our Heavenly Father. I have four children right now, all under the age of 10. They're all about to move up into like two months. Pray for me because there's a lot of birthday parties we got to do, right? But there, I got my son who's going to be 10, my daughter's going to be 8, my other daughter's going to be 6, and my son is going to be 3. Got a very busy, busy life, let me tell you that right now. And there are a lot of teachable teachable moments I have with my children, but one of the main ones that my wife and I are so in tune and unity with is forgiving one another, you know, because it can be simply taking a toy away, and I'm mad, and I'm throwing this fit, and dad and mom, I'm going to tell, and this whole deal happens, and when we, when the solution is fixed, or when it's there, the problem is fixed, we don't stop there. We say, okay, now you're going to ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry, forgive me. And we still don't stop there. Now you're going to receive that forgiveness because it's not your feeling. It's a decision you're going to make. Do I have to? <laughs> Is what it really goes to. Yes, teachable moments. And let me tell you something. When we have those moments, we, you know, sometimes we do the hug it out thing, and that's, like, not cool with my son right now. Like, okay, Dad, I'll do that, you know. But here, here's the thing. It's becoming second nature now to them. Actually, it's becoming main nature to them now. Because I've witnessed my oldest son and my, my oldest daughter with friends go through a conflict. And without me intervening, my son conducting everything and saying, hey, sorry, forgive me in that one. It's okay. And then we keep going forward. You see, when, when we instill that into our kids, and I'm talking about the natural fatherhood. When we instill that into our children as they grow up, the Bible tells us, train them in the way of the Lord. And when, when they get older, they won't depart. How much more will the Heavenly Father do in our lives when we allow the Heavenly Father to talk to us about situations we face in life? You catching me here? How many times and how much more valuable is it when we allow the Heavenly Father to talk to us in the middle of a situation when we're being bitter and when we're a little bit unforgiving at the moment? I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about the situation itself. 
And God says, I understand what you're feeling and I identify, my, identify that to you. But you need to know if you want to walk in freedom, I want you to do this or do that or say this or say that. That's the great reward of that freedom that God is giving us. And when we allow the Father to put his character in us and work through us, we have that fruit in our lives. We have that heart. We start growing in mind and we start growing in heart. And we find opportunities of, oh, wow, I get to teach somebody else as well too. And not only that, you become quick to forgive when someone apologizes to you. That is freedom in your life. And when we have those characteristics, people who have that characteristics will find ways to care and to rescue those that are poor at heart, those that are in a need situation, those that have conflict in their life, and those that feel lost and don't know what to do. You start having compassion for those people. The whole purpose of why Jesus came down to earth Because he saw a lost, dying, poor, needy world, all mankind. And he said, I'm going to do something about it. And came down to this earth and taught and demonstrated. He showed his mercy. I love it because when you think about it, church, when he's on the cross and he's in the most uncomfortable position and all of mankind has turned against him and he is accused for something that he is innocent for, but he knows the plan of God. He sits in the cross, bloody and beaten, disfigured, and thinking of us and says, Father... Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Talk about a love of a father in the midst. If someone should have been uh, unforgiving in that moment, it probably should have been him, but it wasn't. Because he knew to win over people to God, it was going to require forgiveness, the key to eternity. You know, I had said earlier that the best model is Jesus Christ when it comes to forgiveness. I'm going to read a passage in the book of John, and I want to just trust God on this one. I want you to receive this word right now because I'm going to read for a little bit, and I want, you to let, I want to let God minister to you. But we're going to see how Jesus did this, okay? This comes out of John chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and we'll finish in verse 11, okay? And it says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, verse 2, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Remember, we talked about Jesus being a great teacher, okay? Verse 3. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had, who had been caught in the act of adultery. It wasn't gossip. In the act that she was in the, in the middle of the act of adultery, they put her in front of the crowd. Talk about embarrassment. They, took, they, they put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? You see, you can see the double-minded. They're trying to trap Jesus. But watch the demonstrating God, the demonstrating person on earth that gives a a redemption to all mankind. Verse 6, he says this. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote it in dust with his finger. Verse 7. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. The one that has no sin around him, you have every right. Go ahead, throw the first stone. Go ahead. Verse 8. Then he stooped down again and rolled in the dust. Think about that for a second. Then he stooped down again and rolled in the dust. Jesus 
knew and was demonstrating something to the people, but not only that, to the woman that was in the midst of the sin. Verse 9. Then the accusers heard this. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Man, you have to envision this for a second. You have this crowd, this uproaring crowd of people that are just hostile about what Jesus is doing and how he's changing culture. And and he's doing all these things for the kingdom of God. And they just are not driven by the spirit of God. They're really driven by the devil at this moment. And and, and they say, "Let's, let's get Jesus in trap, but let's set this woman up as well, too. And they drag her to the middle of the crowd, and this uproar is happening. And you can see it. they all have rocks in their hand ready. So they came loaded already. They, they had ammunition. They were ready to go. And so let's throw her in front of there because we know what we're going to be doing. So they had it all planned out. But the power of Jesus and the power of forgiveness made every single rock, rock drop. Plump, plump. And it said from the oldest to the youngest, one by one, they started leaving. They started leaving. They started leaving. Verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Everyone repeat after me. Say, neither do I. One more time. Neither do I. Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Those three words, I read that whole passage because I want to talk about those three words. Neither do I. And maybe you've heard this before, but I love sharing it, okay? Out of that entire crowd, Jesus was the only man that had no sin. And if, he, if we were to follow that custom, I guess, he should have been the one to throw the stone. But he was demonstrating forgiveness. He was demonstrating something beyond that. And I love it because he told the lady, neither do I. In other words, I forgive you. Just don't do it again. I forgive you. How many times do we have an opportunity in our lives, and listen closely, we have an opportunity in our lives to say, do I pick a rock up? Or do I say, I forgive you and move forward? You know, those people that drop the rock one by one, had to to disperse because of the power of forgiveness. You see, a lot of times when we think we're in a, a position of, well, let me hold something against them, we think we're really getting the other person, but reality is it's hurting us more than anyone else because we're allowing a person or a situation to be enthroned in our hearts and in our lives and consume our minds, and we dethrone, now hear me, hear me closely, we dethrone Jesus for that moment and don't let him dominate. We don't let him dominate. At that, in that circumstance. I'll say that again over here, okay? We allow, when we go through a circumstance or a person and it hurts us and it's wrong and I was wronged and that whole deal and we allow it to consume us and, you know, we're, we're, we're declaring the word, we're doing what we can, but we allow it to consume us, okay? And it's in our thoughts all day and I can't even concentrate on my work and I got to go home and you start having these little anger issues because uh, you keep thinking about it. We've dethroned Christ for that moment and enthroned that person or situation in our lives. Are you hearing me? Are, we here? Are you guys here? You, okay, we need to, as believers, we need to understand that the key to eternity is true forgiveness. Not by base of what we feel, but by making a decision of I've been forgiven, Lord, and I'm going to do the same thing to others. I'm going to forgive the way you forgive. I'm not saying what you, justifying anything that you went through. But if you want healing to start, it starts with forgiving. 
It starts with forgiving. It's as simple as that. Now let's talk a little bit about what forgiveness is not. Okay? Well, forgiveness is not denial. You guys hearing me? Forgiveness is not denial. It's not, it's not pretending that everything's okay and I'm going to still go about my day. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not repression. In other words, it's not burying the hurt that, that, you, that the sin caused you. It's not burying it away and saying, well, God doesn't want me to, you know, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. You hear a lot of this, well, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. It's, there's a difference between sorry and then forgiving someone. I'm sorry, but will you repent and do it? Okay, I mean, forgive me and I won't do that again. There's a difference. It's not allowing the offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It never happened. Let's erase it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not being a doormat over and over and being stepped on. And why does the same thing still happen to me? And, but I'll keep forgiving. I'll, it's not being a doormat. That's not what God is talking about. But forgiveness, church, hear me clearly. Forgiveness is choosing, not feelings, choosing to keep no records of wrong towards them. You know, a lot of times we think that when we forgive someone that everything is back to normal and it's exactly the way it was and we pick up where we left off. No, because maybe trust was broken. Forgiveness is in a moment, but trust is built. Uh, one time God told me this. He, I love it. I put it in my phone and I love jotting things that he says in a moment. And he says, you know, you can, you can just encourage people. You can, you know, forgive people, you know, and you can do that between me and you. But when, you, when there is trust involved, it requires more than one person, because trust is built. And we need to have an understanding that there is a difference between forgiveness and trusting. Now, when we forgive, we can start building the trust back again, but it requires more than just one person. It's two. Marriage. Let's think about that for a second. Marriage. We build trust. My wife and I, we build this trust with each other. We build it, we build it, we build it. And if I decide one day to break that trust in any way, and then I say, forgive me so much, for, and I am forgiven, but the trust needs to be rebuilt. And so I want you to understand that when we forgive those, it's just simply, simply keeping no record of wrong, not holding that against them anymore, but saying, you know what, I'm going to move forward. Now, trusting how we build that, what we do, let God lead you on that one. But forgiveness is where God wants us to live all the time. And Jesus, again, perfect model, and he modeled that. You know, a lot of times I would, I would have these images in my head of what God is saying in my life. And I, f I feel like a lot of times I would see these collars around people. And the people are the church, those that believe him in him, you know, and serve him and love him. And these collars are still around them, you know. And, and I can see this little, like, uh, I just see like a chain. Not necessarily a leash, but like a, like a chain. And I really can't see the other end of it. And I want, see, I want people to understand that when, when you're in that position, you want to make an impact for God's kingdom. But because we allow this unforgivingness happen, we can't make a full impact. You know, and every single time we go, it's like God wants us to do this. And, you know, we're, we're living a free life, but we're still holding a compartment in our lives that God really hasn't really worked in. It's like we don't make a full impact. So we're going to do this for God and we're going to make an impact and we're just stopped. And it's kind of like that dog that barks, 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 and then runs after you and then just jumps and then just gets stopped right there. At the, and there's like a limitation. You know, as a kid, don't, don't leave me alone, but as a kid, you try to see where that limitation's at. And you're like, how close can I get to the dog without getting bit? You know, you're getting as close as you can because you see the limitation. You see the limit where he cannot go any further than this. And when we allow the unforgiveness of that circumstance to get us, it's like we have been limited by the enemy. 
We have been limited, and yeah, your love and your salvation is there, and all is great, but you are limited, and the enemy knows that. And it's kind of like he walks up to that line and laughs at you about it. Can't go farther than this. But not only that, when I envision that, I see the people in that position. I also see this. I see the hand of God taking the leash out of, not breaking the chain, because the breaking the chain, the identity is still there. I see him taking the leash off of the people and saying, when you walk in forgiveness, this is what it looks like. Now talk about unlimited, that the, it's beyond the sky, but it's the kingdom of God in our lives. A couple of things I want you to know on what forgiveness is, okay? And the first one is this. Forgiveness is a command, not a suggestion, I'll say that again. Forgiveness is a command and not a suggestion. Ephesians 4.30 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, let all bitterness, not some, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and I love this part, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you and me. When we have an understanding that God knows what he's doing and he knew the situation you're going through and he wants you to have healing in your life, he's letting you know I'm not just suggesting this and, you know, you'll be all right. I, I'm, I'm commanding you right now. To do so, but you need to do it in my strength and in my joy. Number two, forgiveness is a decision and not a feeling. Again, it's a decision and not a feeling. It's a decision that requires your faith. And when you act on that faith, it becomes obedient. And let me tell you something. God is there. In Matthew 5, 7, in the message translation, you know, I, I always like the message translation, by the way. I wouldn't recommend read it from front to back uh, because it can kind of get, like, very uh, in-depth. I would say use it for a great reference. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, this is a message translation. It says, you're blessed when you care. All right. At the moment of being careful, and hear that word out, careful, full of care. In other words, you find yourself cared for. When you're careful or you're full of care in how you do things for Christ, God's saying, I care for you. I'm there for you. I intervene for, I inter intervene for you. I fill you up. You know, we go through pain in life. It's going to happen. You know, this whole opportunity of, of, of being unforgiving versus forgiving, we're going to fall. We're going to be in some pain sometimes, and it's there. It's going to happen, but it's an option for you to suffer through it. You don't have to suffer through the pain. You know, one of my teachers one time was telling me, he was telling me this. He says, sometimes it, you have a threshold of pain that you go through, not the fact that God's putting that in you, but he's allowing things to happen so you can grow. And he says, have you ever uh, seen a football game? And I said, well, you know, once or twice I've seen one, you know, that whole deal. <laughs> I'm a football guru, by the way, if you didn't know that, okay? But he, he says, you know, when you see these players and their, their, their mentality and what they're going to do, I'm going to use this example. I don't care. I'm a Lions fan, okay? <laughs> Matt Stafford, our quarterback, okay, his rookie year. 
All right, if you don't know what I'm talking about, he's the guy that says, huh, huh, and he throws the ball for a touchdown, okay? That's the guy right there. His very, one of his plays he had, it was the end of the game, he's down by a few points, and he throws this, they called it a Hail Mary, okay? It's just up for grabs, please, Jesus, do something, you know, that whole deal. But in the process of him throwing it, a guy, a defender came and injured him, and he actually dislocated, broke something in his arm. And that was the end of the game. Now, because of a penalty, they had one more play left, and it was at the goal line. Now, they had a backup person, had someone else that was, uh, you know, there. But I love the attitude that he had, okay? As he's holding his arm, he's there, and they're looking at him, and, and the whole thing's happened. The play's about to start, and he stops everything. He says, I got it. And he runs into, back into the play. And he's there. And he says, set, hot. And he goes, and he scores a touchdown. They win the game, okay? They win the game. The reason why I brought that up is because he played hurt. He understood, no, this is ours. This is ours. And because he did that, he played hurt. But he didn't allow the suffering to hold him back. There was pain, but the victory was theirs. And in a sense, like my teacher was telling me, he says, in a sense, we sometimes have pain in our lives. We need to keep going and keep moving forward. You don't have to suffer through the moments, but there might be pain, but God will restore you in the process of why you're moving forward. Did you guys catch that? Hope you guys like football. If you don't, let's talk later. Okay. But let me tell you again. Forgiving someone is a decision, not a feeling. If we followed feelings, man, we'd be on a roller coaster all the time. It'd be different one moment to the next. But God says it's a decision. That you make. Follow that. Last one. Forgiveness, and this is, I'll close it with this one. Forgiveness is, uh, it enables us, sorry, God's forgiveness enables us to forgive others. God's forgiveness enables us to forgive others. Jesus said in Luke 23 34, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I love that word enable. Because enable is allowing, it's an access of saying, yes, I'm able to do it now. I worked in the factory for about four and a half years, and there was an enable button on our, on our belt. If I hit the off button, it would not move anywhere. If I turned that, and it said enable on it. And if I turned it on, things started rolling and moving. When you let God in you and through you just be working all over the place, every compartment, every situation, every circumstance, every person, and you release it to him, he enables you. To forgive others. He enables you to speak. He enables you to feed and to, if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. He enables you to do that. It's not just, well, I can sit in their presence and I can see them, but I'll be all right. No. He enables you to say, hey, it's really good to see you. He enables that. You know, sometimes we just say, well, God, I'll do it this far, but, you know, that's as far as I'm going to go. And God say, no, I need to work more in you. Because what if there was an opportunity for you? <laughs> what if it was an opportunity for you to say one, one word that could revolutionize your whole thinking of who I really am? What if it's one action that can really redefine what they're thinking who I am? Because let me tell you something. When you do that, church, when you allow the Holy Spirit to enable you and to move and let him work through you, the impossible becomes possible. Well, you think, well, that would never happen. Guess what? He says, I can make all things happen. And if you truly are rooted in that, you would see my miracle, my hand happen in your life. Experience the forgiveness of God. Experience that and let God do the rest. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head for a second.